0: Hey there, traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com.
1: Part part of this game is surviving that game, uh, is surviving until your strategy works until you can see those string of winners, um, and that's something that a lot of people don't realize is, is while you're learning especially, that's extremely important is just to survive.
0: This is the How to Trade Stocks Options Podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Today's episode is produced in partnership with FinClub.ai. Trade with confidence and leverage the power of artificial intelligence in your trading starting today. Go to FinClub.ai to get two free weeks of AI stock picks and save 15% when you use the code SAVE15. That's at FinClub.ai. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster
2: and trade smarter every single week.
0: Hey there, traders! Welcome back to today's podcast. Today we have a special guest online, Matthew Timpane. He is the senior market strategist at Schaefer's Investment Research, and a super smart guy. I'm I'm really excited to have him on today and, and uh, to learn from him. Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Yeah, no problem, man. It's a uh, it's a crazy world out there right now. I mean, uh, we we here in uh, Texas have been uh, opening the doors. Uh, with, uh, with the virus, and we're uh, we're in July now. And I was just telling Matt before the, the show started, you know, things are just, they're absolutely crazy. And one of the things that's just blowing my mind is in Texas, we had about 700 cases a day of the virus in March or so, and we were on total lockdown. Everything was just shut down. Nobody's going anywhere. Now we're in July, Six Flags is open. All the restaurants and bars and everything else are open. And uh, now we're seeing about, Uh, 8,000 cases a day. So, you know, 10 to 20 times as much as it was a few months ago when they shut the whole world down here and uh, now we're open for business. So I don't know what's going on out there, Matt. Tell me, tell me, what's the deal, man? What are we going to do?
1: Well, I mean, I I think it's uh, overall, it's probably a pretty complex and tough decision. Um, Obviously, there's two factors. You want to focus on life and you want to focus on uh, also not Destroying the economy uh, is one factor. So, I, I guess, or is another factor. So, I guess what they're looking at is they're trying to thread a needle. Uh, it's obviously not working well. Uh, we're seeing surges going on. Um, we do see the new mask requirement, uh, you know, like you do have out in Texas and in California, and, and hopefully that will help spread the, you know, or help decrease the spread of the virus. Um, I'm not a virologist at all, but. Uh, i think we know that that does work a little bit Um, i know where we are we're seeing surging as well Uh, there is more restrictions on things Uh, some restaurants are being closed if they are uh, known to have uh, been spreading any of the virus or anything like that Um, whereas we're talking about like you said six flags were open our we have some theme parks open but they're running more at a limited capacity and on a reservation basis Uh, so i think you know taking the appropriate measures uh, while Maintaining the economy as you can is probably the right way to go about it. Uh, but fully reopening is probably a very difficult thing to do right about now, uh, and it's something that you got to think about not only uh, your community. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a crazy world
0: out there right now. So so what are you guys doing over at Schaefer's Investment Research to to try and work around this?
1: So some of the things uh, what we're doing is. We have been working from home for the most part since the beginning of March. Uh, A lot of us started going home at the end of February, uh, but I I made it to like the beginning of March. So we've been trading from home, uh, doing our work from home. As you can see, I'm at home right now. Uh, We did start going into the office a little bit here in June uh, when the governor issued you could open back up. But we're doing it on a very controlled, limited basis. Not everybody's in on the same day. Uh, When we're in, we're wearing masks. Uh, we're trying to do that just so that we have some people on the floor. Uh, you know, it does help for communication purposes as a business, uh, but we also respect and want to make sure that everybody at our company is safe.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so that's that's one of the big factors. So you know, everything is is done up to high standards. You know, I mean, we have cleaning materials all over the place. You know, you're required to wear the masks in the building. Uh, and uh, you, you're just you're trying to do the best things that you can, uh, but we're also trying to put out great content uh, and uh, capitalize on opportunities during these market uh, environments. Uh, something that we've been able to actually do fairly successfully uh, during this vol- volatile periods of time, uh, on the downside and upside. So it's been an interesting time, uh, and uh, it's also been some interesting content that we've been able to put out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and on that market volatility, man, this has been. You know, 2020 is going to be one of those years where people just want to forget about it. And I know so many people when it was uh, late February or so, everything was just falling apart. So many people are like, all right, I'm getting out of the stock market, never going to do anything about it again. Little did I know, like two months later, it would be at that point or greater, right?
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah, like the NASDAQ setting new all all time highs, uh, gold setting new highs. And it's like, you know, who would have thought? You know, we have uh, this global pandemic going on literally outside, and we're, we're setting new highs. Who,
1: I mean, it's crazy to think about. I, I, I don't think anybody really thought that. I think a lot of people thought we we're going to be on a, more of an L shape or a U shape type of recovery, and we could still be more on that U shape recovery within the economy. Uh, I think a lot of people didn't realize how fast the Fed would act um, by providing yeah. liquidity to the markets. So I think that was something that kind of, caught people off basis where Jerome Paul's, uh, you know, he was an operator and an investor his whole life, um, you know, in private equity uh, with the Carlisle Group, his own uh, private equity funds, things like that previously. So they acted quickly so that they didn't see another crisis. So I think that easy money obviously helped prop up the markets, uh, you know, um, and and prevent uh, further deterioration and it eased people's concerns. Um, so the, the market and the economy have definitely I would view at this point in time have decoupled uh, a lot of times They are in lockstep that they, you need to know that they are different though uh, That's the one thing a lot of people kind of get wrong is they're not the same ones forward-looking ones currently what's happening most of the time uh, But you know they at this point in time there is decoupling We've seen it before uh, in other recessions as well and and I just think that's kind of where we are now You know we could still have more volatile about uh, going ahead uh, definitely don't deny that with all the uncertainty. Um, but, you know, that's a that's factor as a trader that you need the real. Sometimes you may think everything's going horribly in the economy and uh, things could be quite different in the market itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, uh, I, I certainly never expected it to be this fast of a uh, stock market recovery, at least. But, you know, I could see there's a lot of. You no, know, I was just talking to uh, to my parents the other day. They're they're seventy ish, and um, I certainly wouldn't want to give them the virus because I mean they yeah. would definitely be the first ones to go for sure. But you know, talking to them, it's it's crazy to think where we are, and you know, where I mean, they've never seen anything like this in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, there's going to be ripple effects that we don't even know what they are yet, like movie theaters. Um, you know, the one that I'm very concerned about, I'm. I'm if I knew how to be short corporate real estate, I would be short um, commercial real estate. I should say, yeah, because you've got so many people that you just trained for multiple months to be proficient to work from home. They don't want to go back. They don't want to sit in traffic. They don't want to sit and 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 sit in an office when they could sit in their pajamas, right, yes. at home doing all their work. And they've already proven they can do it. I can absolutely see commercial real estate tanking because now you had a company that could house, or you had a building that could house 500 people, 400 people that work there don't want to go back and they've proven they don't have to. So they're going to put up a fight to say, I can work from home. I want to stay home. And then you're going to say, well, we don't need a building for 500 people. We need to downsize. So now all these skyscrapers and uh, everything else I could really, really see, the commercial real estate field being just upended. I don't think so much on um, uh, consumer real estate, like homes, apartments, uh, things like that, but commercial real estate I think is going to implode. Uh, that has me a little concerned because what are the ripple effects of that?
1: Yeah, and I, I think you're exactly right that there is uh, definitely concern in areas like that. Uh, we are going to see some changes. You know, I, I think people want to get back to uh, a sense of normalcy at some point in the future, obviously. So not everything will change as dramatically as people think, but I also think that, like you said, people have been taught new habits. They're able to change some things. I think the office is one of them. Uh, more remote work will definitely happen. You're seeing that with companies coming out, uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook, multiple Silicon Valley companies uh, offering work from home permanently. Basically, uh, changes. Um, but you know, that would be a good one. I think. Uh, Commercial real estate will struggle probably next, you know, obviously five ten years. Eventually, it'll be repurposed or um, grown back into uh, as we grow as an economy as a population. Um, But that will take time, and you're you're probably exactly right. Uh, the other thing is you're right. People are enjoying not working. We're working from home now, not having to travel. Um, it saves money, actually, in the long run. That, that's one huge factor I noticed is, I mean, you spend less money on gas, less money on food, less money on uh, just the various factors because you're not out and about anymore. Um, so that's, that, that's something I, I definitely uh, agree with there. And I think you'll see, and that's what you're kind of seeing with this bifurcation, I guess, within the market, where you're seeing some of the regular stocks that have gotten absolutely crushed. Uh, Yes, they've rebounded nicely kind of after the fact. But you saw a lot of these um, new kind of age companies uh, bottom first and then rally. Uh, And they're the leaders of the market right now uh, because you're seeing this change within the workforce. And people are trying to obviously get in front of that. Uh, with a lot of the companies, obviously Zoom, Media, TeleDoc for telehealth, um, you know Slack uh, even had had a huge bounce there. They're a little bit struggling now, but you know you're looking at these companies and you're seeing them move uh, in that direction extremely fast. And that's because you know the the age is going to change and people's habits have changed. And going forward, the way we are as a society, there will be permanent changes. Uh, I do think another factor that one thing, like you said, commercial real estate scary. I, I think, from a, a personal perspective, or a society perspective, or a community perspective, and I'm not sure how to exactly you would play this in the market, other than maybe through like telehealth uh, type stocks, uh, is as uh, uh, mental health. You know, I think will have a, a huge effect um, going forward. This will have had an effect on that. Um, so that's something I, I just think about from a personal standpoint, from a family standpoint as well. Uh, you know, h- how this affects people. You know, you're kind of putting them, locking them into their houses or or at least having them stay in a lot more. Uh, They're not used to that. You know, people are obviously social animals to to some extent. Uh, So there's, there's other factors as well within society.
0: Yeah, for sure. So the real reason I had Matt come on was to talk about some options trading mistakes. But we got to uh, to talking ahead of time before the the episode, and I was like, "Hold on, we gotta we gotta put there, this on hold. Let me go turn on everything to start recording, and we can finish this conversation." So, yeah. So so Matt, tell me about some of the uh, the options trading mistakes that uh, that you're seeing out there, right now. It may not be something that that you've experienced personally, but you've probably come across some of these along the way. Uh, that that you've seen somebody make a mistake i mean I, i've personally had plenty of mistakes i've had a, a whole episode on all the mistakes i've made and and uh, <laughs> i mean I, i've blown up my account twice before i figured things out so i, I don't want to do it a third time it would uh,
1: it would be a lot rougher to do it a third time <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's one of the things uh so one of the big things that we'll focus on on, on common mistakes uh that we see option traders make uh, i have a plethora of them all, um, but something that we'll focus on. I was previously a partner and portfolio manager at a registered investment advisory firm before I joined Schaefer's. Uh, and one of the things that I've noticed since being, you know, more into the options market and and trading and and advising and research uh, here is we don't talk about allocation uh, all that much uh, in options. You hear about the trade, the trade strategy. Um, You know, the big winners, uh, how they got that, you know, the edges. um, And I have all that as well, but uh, you don't hear about risk management and allocation strategies and practices that you should be following. as part of your plan when you're trading options, so one of the big things we kind of look at at Schaefer's, and, and we don't recommend, you know, we recommend to people is, you know, really your allocation to options should be, you know, no larger than 30% of your portfolio. That's that's the largest it should be, uh, and then if you are going that large, you know, really the rest of your capital should be in like riskless or near riskless assets, uh, because you know one of the biggest things is you don't want to ever have your all your capital at risk at one time. Um, now, many people we obviously know want to stock trade as well. So, what we would suggest then is that you just reduce your option exposure as well if you're going to stock trade with it. Um, so you can bring that down to 20 or even 10 percent if you needed to, uh, because what you're looking for is in your options trading is that leverage. Uh, and so, you know. Again, the factor is you don't want to have all that capital at risk because you don't want to have scared money out there. Uh, when you do have scared money, or, or uh, you're looking at you know potential huge losses uh, in capital that you can't afford to lose, you don't want to you know be without your retirement money. You don't want to be without money for food and, and other things like that. You typically make bad decisions is is one of the big factors, um, and we don't want to. Uh, option traders to be put into financial burdens. Like you said, you can blow up an account very easily. It's happened twice to you. It, it's it's happened to all of us. We, you know, anybody that's been trading options at some point is probably likely blown up at least a small account at some point um, just because uh, of some different things that they did wrong. And that's one thing hopefully we can get through some of these uh, risks here and uh, um, uh, help some of these options traders so that they don't have to go through some of the pitfalls that we did. Um, yeah. I like to
0: tell people they can, they can learn from my expensive lessons for free. <laughs> so so you know, oh, oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, my, my experience with that is just being too aggressive and really not having an exit strategy. Um, and right now may not be a great time to be aggressive considering market volatility and really a lot of uncertainty that we, we were just discussing earlier. Um, but yeah, that, that was where I went is, you know, I'm buying, I'm buying twice as many long calls as I probably should have. And then, you know, they none of them go in the money. And then, you know, options are so much different than, than stock. You know, it, with stock, you still have some equity value. With options, you yep. could literally have zero, which is what happened to me.
1: It, exactly. So, so some of the, that is we're looking at like, you know, options are obviously it's a, it's a truncated risk, right? So you're limiting your losses to obviously your full premium that you pay. Uh, and, but you have unlimited theoretical potential to the upside. Um, but, you know, obviously there's still risk. And uh, one of the ways that we kind of look at is, you know, you want to diversify. So not only diversify, um, like, like you're saying, your calls, you know, you had too many long calls. Uh, You want to diversify through sectors, uh, through types of trades. So not only through, um, you want to kind of look at your, how many in the money trades that you've placed, how many out of the money trades that you've placed, Uh, and then you want to look at your call put ratio, and that should really vary as well on uh, an overall market view. So no matter what, we think that you should probably have some calls and puts, things can turn at any moment, and it's a way to kind of de-risk that uh, leverage trade a little bit for you. Um, so th- that's one factor when you're looking at it from an overall portfolio perspective, I think you should be looking at is is the way that you diversify, again, through sectors, types of trades, that means shorter term expiration trades to longer term expiration trades. So uh, in the money, the out of the money and uh, the way that you have your call put ratio uh, is kind of determined on your overall market view.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So let me ask you a question real quick. You know, what's one thing you wish that you knew before you started trading?
1: So one thing that I wish I knew uh, before I started trading is actually diversify. So one of the big things, so we just kind of talked about it. um, And uh, the reason why I say diversification is I, as a young trader, ran into concentration risk. Um, And you see all these great traders out there. You know, obviously you have uh, highly concentrated traders like Bill Ackman that everybody hears about. And, you know, you, you can also see his, his pitfalls, uh, his downfalls, and his upswings as well, um, where he's had huge winners, huge losses. Uh, but, you know, he can take that risk. When you're starting out, you can't take that concentration risk as much. Um, you need to start building, basically, your base uh, for trading capital. So that's one thing I kind of wish I knew, that I didn't understand, I guess, right when I first got into trading as well, I, I thought, you know, hey, I know what I'm doing. I can uh, get, you know, hit, hit, hit this money, you know, or hit hit, hit my targets, uh, get to uh, building this bigger um, surplus of capital to trade from so that I can be a, a multimillionaire one day, uh, you know, in a few years. And, and, and that's just not the way it works. You need to kind of diversify while you build that base, um, have your money to the side that you need to keep, Uh, You know, I mean, you should always still be keeping, you know, like a good portion of your money, maybe just in the general market and just let that thing ride out on the side. Keep that away from your trading capital, uh, you know, and, and, you know, because you want to have the diversification because otherwise, like you said, you can blow up your account. You have nothing left at the end of it. you have no money to play going forward. Uh, yeah. and, and part, part of this game is surviving that game, uh, is surviving until your strategy works until you can see those string of winners. Um, and that's something that a lot of people don't realize is, is while you're learning, especially that's extremely important is just to survive. Yeah, I, I
0: couldn't agree more. Um, you know, for, for me, I've got uh, several portfolios that I manage and, um, in my main one that I, I do a lot of work in, uh, I keep 75% as like an investment, investment group, and then 25% as a trading group is how I look at it. So I have investment class securities and then trading class securities for me. And for me, the trading class is, is uh, basically um, call and put spreads, options generating income spreads, right? Okay. Um, with, with the thought of, hey, listen, uh, I understand that there's a... Three to three to one, four to one, five to one uh, risk return here. So if I'm going to make $100 on a trade, I'm not going to let a loser turn into a $400 loser on that trade. I'm going to cut the losses early yes. because that was another thing that I, I mean, the first time I blew up my account was being, you know, two long calls, right? The second time I blew it up was uh, I started using spreads, but I didn't manage the risk of the spreads. Uh, okay. So my, my return of one R would have a 10R or 4R, 5R risk. And I would just let that happen. And uh, that's a real quick way to blow up your account. (laughs) So, so for me, uh, you know, I like to, I only look at about 10 different things for trading uh, and and only the most liquid securities, but on my investment portfolio, uh, I really only look at a handful of things and that I got this from the uh, all weather portfolio by Ray Dalio Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's like 30% stocks, uh, 40% long bonds, 15% short bonds, 7.5% commodities, and 7.5% gold. If you didn't write that down, rewind this 30 seconds, write that down. You're (laughs) going to want to use that. Um, That's something that I use uh, whenever uh, I'm I'm investing. And I, I actually, I take that one step further. So because like, you, t- you hear a lot about people uh, just like holding forever, right? Their investments are going to hold forever. But why would you hold it forever if it's below the 50 day moving average? Why would you hold it forever if it's below the 200 day moving average? That that's, that's not a strong stock. That's not a place to be. So I took the all weather portfolio one step further and I back tested it on a bunch of different moving averages. And I found um, like the SPY, right? If it's above the 10 day moving average, I want to be in. It's a great place to be. If it's below, I don't want to be in it and that's okay. I can just put it in cash otherwise. Yep. So that's how I manage my investment for portfolios, those allocations. And then I've, I have uh, different moving averages that I use as like my, my green light or red light. And then if okay. it's, if it's a red light, just put it in cash. So that's how I do it.
1: No, no. And I I fully get that. Actually, that leads into uh, not exactly onto the allocation, but a common mistake that I also see is is a mistake, you know, that people make a a failure of understanding the link between the win rate uh, and the average win and the average loss. Right. So, you know, some of the best traders, obviously, in the world, um, you know, their average win rate is only roughly 50 percent. But what they're doing is they're let they're cutting their losses quickly, like you said, and letting their winners ride. Um, you know the one problem that we have when we're trading options is we have a couple of headwinds that come our way uh, when we're doing this. Uh, first, you know, uh, when you're a stock trader, you have essentially unlimited time for it to work out for you if you wanted to, right? Um, you, you know, for that to become a winner. Whereas in an option, you have a limited time. Uh, a window of opportunity for that trade to be right uh, secondly uh, we have obviously time decay working against us and options on that trying to be right and it as you approach expiration it, in a non-linear fashion it decays uh, so the, the quicker the closer you're getting to expiration the faster it starts decaying uh, so there is multiple factors there that kind of Uh, you have to learn, especially in options trading, that you're probably going to be 35 to 45% uh, probability uh, uh, of win rate. um, And you need to understand and factor that in going forward. So we kind of look at it as um, you need to have your average wins be that much larger than your average losses. Uh, So we kind of like a general rule of thumb is uh, we're always targeting 100% winners at the minimum. And then we're targeting, hopefully, having our stop loss around 35, 40%. That way, we can be right, you know, 35% of the time, and we can still be profitable, uh, you know, 35 to 40% of the time. We'll still be profitable uh, where others that are saying, well, I mean, I got a 50, 60% win -win 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 rate, but, you know, what they're doing is they're taking profits very early at 30%, 40%, and then, you know, they're getting hit on their uh, losses sometimes at 50%. It's actually a losing strategy. So you may be even 50 or 60%. Win rate, but you're not your P and L is not profitable. Uh, so that's kind of one of the things that we see that people do. They make a mistake. They focus on that win rate when they really should be focusing on the average of the win versus the average of the loss. Uh, oh yeah, you
0: know? I, I couldn't agree more. And and on that topic, uh, I did a portfolio analysis a, a few years ago, and this is uh, this was in the the second time that I was having my drawdown. Um, the, the my favorite strategy were iron condors, right? Uh, okay. I'm sure with that, right? Selling an out of the money put spread, selling an out of the money call spread. And the thought behind it was, hey, this has an 80% win rate. It's going to be great, (laughs) right? But let's let's say, for example, you make $200 when you're right. That's the most you can make, but you could lose $800 every time you're wrong. So if you were wrong once and it was a full loser, it would take you four more full winners to make up for the one loss. Exactly. And that was exactly what happened in my portfolio, like exactly what happened. It was an <laughs> 80 plus percent win rate, which sounds incredible, unbelievable, right? But yeah, it totally was. But the 20% of losers in that account accounted for 90% of my lost dollars, right? So I know yeah. that got real real uh, mathy there, but essentially all of my lost dollars come from my favorite strategy because I didn't know how to <laughs> cut my losers, right? And keep keep the winners working for me.
1: Well, yeah, and especially when you're selling premium, uh, you kind of, you know, in that kind of strategy, either an iron condor, if you're selling premium, uh, you know, spreads to the upside or, or put spreads to the downside, you know, you need to focus on, you know, how much premium you're collecting. And then you still need to be able to cut your losses. Because like you said, if you take a total loss on that, and that's one of the big mistakes people don't make, they, they kind of sell these spreads a lot of times, especially when they first started out. Um, and they don't Set a stop loss on them. They kind of just say, well, it's kind of all or nothing. And um, that's actually, I think, the wrong way to do it. It, What you should do is you should focus on maybe trying to collect more premium uh, on that trade. So you you trade a little bit shorter, but then you set that stop loss at maybe double that premium so that, Mm -hmm. you know, say you collected 20%, you're going to stop out at 40%, you know, at at, at minus 40%. So that that way, you know, you're not taking those 100% losses on that premium that you sold. Uh, that's kind of one thing that we've kind of looked at. That's helped when we, because we do also premium selling on top of long uh, uh, buying premium as, as well. So that's something that helps our strategy. Uh, obviously, you know, you start seeing a downturn like we saw in February, March, and you know, you kind of you know start getting blown out of some of those trades. That's that's a good strategy to have. Is it reduces that risk because if you think about it, how many of those spreads would have went to zero uh, in that situation?
0: Right. And and so are you guys looking at like moving average crossovers or a moving average line in general as your, your exit point or your stop loss? Or are you using it solely based on that price of the options? So it's two different things there.
1: Oh, so that's a lot to unpack, actually. So we do things, uh, you know, obviously we're, we try to, I like to keep things simple, but yet, obviously, when you're working the options market, it's still complex. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a lot of quantified Uh, you know, analysts uh, work on certain securities and stocks. We'll see things differently. You know, like certain companies, certain stocks will react differently to moving averages, things like that. Uh, So for like buy signals, we'll notice that like maybe, uh, just for example, like a gold miner stock, right? It really likes to follow that 80 day moving average, which is an odd moving average. People aren't really having their eyes on this thing. and for some reason, you know, we look at it, we can pull like the last 10 signals, seven of those last 10 signals uh, 70% of the time and it it's bounced there. You know, That's giving us a trading signal. Now, for exit strategies, what we're trying to do is we're trying to identify uh, areas of potential resistance. And then once we get up to that potential resistance area, we like to de-risk a trade as well at that point. Uh, so what we'll do a lot of times to our subscribers, we'll say, you know what? Um, it's achieved 100% target or 200% target, whatever we're doing, depending on how risky the trade is, uh, take half of it off here, right? Um, And then, as a trader, we'll usually kind of a lot of us will look at like you know a 5 or 10 day. uh, Depending on time, though, as well, if it's short term expiration, yeah, like a 5 or 10 day, it breaks that. We're probably out of the trade, right? Because there's a chance that it pulls back enough. If we still have months left on the trade, we may give it some slack, right, to run back, especially if it's on the long premium side, uh, um, buying premium side of, of the trade. We'll maybe give it some slack, even let it run down to like a 40 or 50 day, and see if you know there's another potential leg higher. Maybe it's just consolidating, putting in like uh, as technical analysts uh, myself, you know, a bull flag or you know a wedge type pattern, and it's just really just waiting for that next leg higher. Uh, so that's kind of how we look at it. But we, we do look at it as we want to de-risk uh, that trade, especially if we hit the initial targets. Uh, and then you know, we can see if we can let convexity run, really, is, is what we like, like to say in the office and on the trading floors, is let that run. Because as that delta has approached you know, 90 to 100 at that point, you know, every dollar move in that stock is that much more powerful on those contracts now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, Matt, what other, what other uh, mistakes did you want to bring up today? Because this, uh, this has been a good, uh, good conversation. I like this.
1: All right. Uh, so um, now the next part of the allocation common mistake that we kind of see is uh, position sizing, right? So being in the options market, you're kind of in this fixed fractional bet system uh, and like i said you're kind of letting you want to let the power of convexity kind of work for you in a trade you're letting it run uh, you're kind of doing the same thing when you're setting up your position sizing as well right so you start looking at you know you've already allocated you said hey okay i'm comfortable with 20% of my portfolio in options i'm going to, to do a little stock trading on the side i got uh, you know like you said maybe you're more all weather type of strategy outside of that so you got some stocks you got some um, you know fixed income investments uh, some gold things like that you know more riskless or, or or less risky maybe some preferred shares but you're looking at that 20% you're saying how do I want to allocate these positions now uh, and we never recommend really anything more than 10% in an option type position uh, and really I think that's more for like the conservative type trades so either deeper in the money type trades, maybe, uh, like you said, uh, uh, put cells, or not really put cells, but maybe spreads more like it, uh, or condors. Uh, and then as you get riskier, so shorter term expiration, um, closer to at the money, maybe slightly out the money type options, you're going to really want to downsize that allocation. You don't want to be spreading um, 5 or 10% allocation to an out of the money option. You might want to have uh, 5% or 2% even, uh, because as you're, having that lower uh paying that lower price you're actually increasing your leverage ratio so uh, when you're increasing that leverage ratio though the chances are you're going to have obviously some uh, options and and you're taking out extra risk that they're going to expire worthless Uh, that's just the nature of this game so uh, you want to allocate less to those so that you can still stay in that game uh and and keep going forward uh so um the other thing you kind of uh, want to just do there, then I guess you would say, is uh, spread that out and look at it from your longer-term perspective, as we were talking about before. Shorter-term perspective, uh, and maybe you know take five of those um, positions, put them in in the money, kind of longer-term type strategies. Uh, then you take that other half of that portfolio that you've allocated towards options, put them in riskier type trades at the money, out of the money. Uh, spread the wealth, diversify again. uh, And that way you kind of just stay in this game.
0: Listen, Matt, (laughs) there's just entirely too much to learn to trading. I don't get it, man. (laughs) I'm joking. But what I mean by that is, you know, there's there's lots of resources and people out there that are looking to help where they can. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that Schaefer's is, is they're one of those resources where they can help you learn how to trade and really give you some leg ups that you may not know otherwise. And then they've got smart people like Matt, like he just went into that deep dive there. He's thinking all these thoughts, so you don't have to. I've written a short guide on how you can use the Triple Stock Profits system. It's the secret weapon every investor needs right now to change your financial future. And you can get it for free by visiting triplestockprofits.com or in the links below. Also, if you want to join a community of traders just like you, you can get free access to the elite membership that has even more resources to help you trade faster and trade smarter. So, Matt, tell me where uh, people can learn more about you
1: and Schaefer's Investment Research. So, you can learn more about us at uh, Schaefer'sResearch.com, uh, and uh, myself, you can find me on Twitter at mTimPain. Uh, you can also find us at Schaefer's uh, on Twitter as well. We're putting out great content. Uh, we, on a daily basis, we put, edu- or, uh, we put news out there. Um, so we're doing market recaps uh, intraday. And at the end of the day, we're also talking about unique option uh, activity that we see that's going on in the markets. Uh, myself and some of the other traders that are uh, on the floor will be putting out Um, you know, levels that we see within the broader market or, um, you know, certain securities as well on our Twitter handles. Uh, And then, you know, if you want to learn more about what we do, our strategies and things, you know, you can give us a call. You can visit the website. Uh, We do have all of our trading services up there as well uh, for people that are interested. Well, there you go. And uh, I
0: certainly recommend you guys go in and check out Schaefer's Investment Research. This has been a real pleasure. This is the second time I've had you on, Matt. and I I definitely want to make sure that uh, I can get you on again in the future. Wonderful. Anytime. You know, it it is great to be able to uh, to talk with somebody. And, and, you know, in conversational format, just get as deep as we can, right? Because it's not like a lecture at a university. It's not like an online course. It's really just two people having a conversation. But because you and I are so familiar with the topic, it comes naturally and easily. And I hope that the audience out there can really pick that up and, you know, continue to come back because uh, (laughs) guests like Matt coming on uh, is a real pleasure to have on. Uh, so thank you so much for your time today, Matt.
1: Thank you for having me on. I enjoy it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you guys for tuning in to today's how to trade stocks options podcast. Make sure you like, and subscribe and enable notifications that way you never miss, uh, whenever we have guests just like Matt on and more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the
2: next episode. 10 minute content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors' and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance.